Welcome to Rooted Within with Lily and Dan, a podcast that shines a spotlight on positive change makers, sharing their stories of legacy, inspiration, and impact. Each episode, Lily and Dan will speak to individuals who have made their dreams a reality, exploring their journeys, mindset shifts, and what motivated them. Join us as we explore the lives of those who are making a difference and let their stories inspire you to achieve your own goals. In 2014, Instagram was there and Facebook yeah. was there. Yeah. And there was pictures of newborn photo shoots yeah. and parties of people posting with balloons. And here I was sitting in front of the NICU, being able to hold my child for one hour a day. But wondering whether she And make it. wondering whether. I had a village around me. I had lactation consultants, a doula, a midwife, plants, a pediatrician, neonatologist at birth. Yeah. And I had the best gynecologist yeah. who stood with me like rock solid. So I want to tell women out there that you don't have to do it all alone. And there are so many amazing people out there who are waiting to support you. And at every stage in your life, ask for the support and it will be there. Rooted Within with Lily and Dan. Hi, Dan. <laughs> you, were, you were waiting to I was do so waiting because you've been getting in before me, uh, so I got in uh, there. Welcome to another welcome. edition of Rooted Within. How are you? I'm very good, actually. I've just had a coffee, so give me 10 I minutes. I know, you're going to be you're gonna be. And it's zinging. really going to be kicking. It's probably about the 15th of the day. Brilliant. So that means you're going to have some great questions for our guests today. Yeah, we are. So we have in our studio today, Rucha. Did I get that right? Yes, you I did. did. You there we did. go. Well done. Yeah, I was like sweating because I normally get names wrong. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for having me here, guys. I'm very excited. It's so great to have you. Um, you were recommended by one of our previous guests, yes. I believe. Yes, yeah. Nikki Steele. Nikki Steele, yeah. She came in, she was talking about... Um, oh, It was a great conversation. Everything. All we to do with having children and... Fertility. Everything. Fertility and the journey of a woman and, and the what defines a woman and, you know, how fertility is so connected yeah. to what it is to be female. She's also amazing with the whole postnatal depression. Oh, piece. she's amazing. She's amazing. Amazing. We had, we had such a great conversation. Like, it was just wonderful. Like, we, we went on so many different tangents. So, maybe we'll go on some tangents today. So, yeah. we always begin with letting our guests introduce themselves and telling us a little bit about themselves and, I guess, where they came from and how they, how they get to where they are now. Thank you. So, I'm Rucha. I am a mum of two. Lived in Dubai for about 11 years now. Mm -hmm. Before this, I was working as a talent manager in Mumbai, in India, and I worked with some big names in Bollywood and cricket. Um, I, I'm just, we're going to pause for a second then. So you were working in Mumbai as a talent manager, because yes. that's like the epicenter of, I guess, like the sub-Indian continents, like talent industry. Yep. Who were the people you were working with? So I managed this Bollywood actress called Sanakshi Sinha. Okay. Worked with Yuvrat Singh, who's a cricketer. There was cricketers like how, how big are these people? They Huge. are. They are. They're trendsetters. They are. They're like gods. Yeah. They're worshipped. Especially from the world of cricket, like they are idols. I got uh, World Cup final tickets for free, as many as I wanted in 2011. And, and where was the World Cup final held? In Mumbai. Amazing. And India was in it. Okay. Wow. It was uh, epic. Yes, it was epic, and it was like, wow, I'm powerful right now. <laughs> Um, I only realised that now when I look back. Yeah. But that was just life, you know. I did, had... you, did you always want to be in talent? How did you end up in that? Um, I actually never had a plan for life. Things just kept getting thrown at me. One of, my best friend from school is a tennis player, Sanya Mirza. 
She is India's only women tennis player who has been on the WTA circuit. Wow. And I traveled with her for a year on the WTA circuit between my undergrad and master's. And um, I was having a conversation with her one day after university, after my master's in Manchester, and she said... It's a great city, by the way, just putting it out there. <laughs> I've also lived in Oxford after, and I'm a little bit biased towards the South. What? OK, we're going to have a conversation after this, but carry on. <laughs> controversial and she said how about you try talent management and I said sure and that's where it came from and I worked there for about uh, two and a half or three years absolutely loved it it was epic I learned so much I was living alone and it was the best time making money which was the best thing we ever. all like making a bit of money what were some of the key things that you learned during that because I was a talent manager myself oh, <laughs> previously. Where? Like, it's a lot. Like, you learn so many skills. Hustle. Negotiation, hustle, hustle is the biggest one. I think nothing can teach you hustle like talent. being a talent manager. Yeah. Uh, negotiation, deals. Yeah. I don't know politics. how it will be now. Yes, politics, politics for sure. One. But politics is everywhere, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, I think I was very lucky. I had the best boss. Okay. It was very hard when I moved to Dubai because to find a boss like him it was it's not easy and he really taught me a lot so how did you get to Dubai what was that journey um my husband was my best friend from university okay. we met at in undergrad in Lancaster actually okay you know, and um he is born and raised in Dubai yeah and he lived here and fell in love and decided that I'm going to get married Indian girl, mom said, if you're going to date this guy, you have to get married. Yeah. So I said, okay, and moved to Dubai without thinking how important my job is, which I only realized much later when I saw a therapist, how important it was for me and what a big part of my identity. And that was the talent management. Yes. And why was it such a big part of your identity? Because, you know, in India, growing up, you're somebody's daughter mm. or somebody's friend or somebody's sister you're never Worth. yourself except to maybe your friends Very from school yeah, yeah, yeah. and then when I started working I was Rucha and people knew me because I of was you. doing something of yeah, yeah people knew me for me and that was amazing for me you know and which is what I realized much later and I realized how big this whole identity piece is for me and yeah. why I was feeling the way I was much later after having kids yeah so you no, moved to sense. Dubai well why didn't you continue talent management when you came to Dubai? Ten years ago, well, 11 years ago, when I moved to Dubai, talent management was very different. Mm -hmm. There was no social well, media. Dan, Dan can yeah, very attest different. to that. Very basic. You, yeah, very basic. It was very Lebanese-controlled. Uh, yeah, and Dubai was a shock for me when I moved here. I've had people, when I moved in, tell me that I went for interviews. They said, you're not going to be able to get paid as much as your colleague who is British because... Because they nationality? Yeah, oh, wow. on my face. And yeah. I walked out wow. of those interviews crying to my husband, wow. saying, I've actually worked as a senior manager, proved myself for so many years, and I'm back at not being able to get a basic job because yeah. I'm Indian. Yeah. And even though I've lived in England for about seven years, I... Well, you're back to not being able to be seen for who you are. Yeah, absolutely. And so I luckily got through... I got a job as at an advertising agency, a boutique agency. Okay. And they were really lovely. I loved working there. But that was only for about two years until I got pregnant with my first one. And my life absolutely changed after that. So how did your life change with that pregnancy? 
My pregnancy was actually great. Okay. It's perfectly normal. I was going to come back and go back to work three months after just a three or a six month maternity leave. They were yeah. very flexible. It wasn't paid, but she said, whenever you want to come mm. back, we're here. And then when my daughter was born, the doctors waited too long for the birth. They tried to do a natural birth and she got really stressed in there, passed meconium in the womb and inhaled it. She didn't get oxygen at the right time. Okay. She was born sick. They never told us that. Oh, shit. And she didn't cry at birth, which at that point, after being in labour for over 24 hours, this was in India, I was so tired when they did an emergency C-section that I didn't even notice if she cried or not. Yeah. And she hadn't cried. Because most babies cry. They are they sick. You cry. see it in the movies, right? They always yeah, slap the bum to get the yeah. tears, you know, yeah. and they then are the supposed babies to cry. Up. And I think she had oxygen asphyxiation. She didn't get oxygen when she needed it. And she kept crying, and she just kept crying. And as a mum, I had they say this instinct kicks in and somehow I knew something was not right. <coughs> I took her home and she just kept crying for like days. And on the eighth day, she actually cried all night. And she didn't cry when she was born, but, but after then that, after that, literally, she was just crying, crying the whole time. And she would not sleep as a newborn. It was absolutely the worst time of my life because yeah. I didn't know what I was doing wrong. Because I guess at that time, you, that's you, the thing like, you thought you were doing something yeah, wrong. You, that's you it. question your abilities as a mother. You're like, okay, well, why is this happening? Yep. And we just took her to the. We just took her to an emergency, and they said mm, nothing's wrong with her. You can take her back. She just has some colic. And I come back home and on the ninth day the exact same thing happened and this time I went in and I was like and my mum started crying my sister was crying everybody at home at like two o'clock in the morning is just crying because this baby won't stop crying all night and then I I guess fear kicks in at that point absolutely like something fear, wrong. helplessness anxiety yeah. everything yeah and we took her in and I said to the hospital I was like until you figure out why she's crying and what is going on with her, I'm not taking her home. He said, ma'am, we can't keep her like that. And I was like, you know what? I know some people high up in the management and I'm going to call the doctors at 2 o'clock in the morning and kick a big fuss if you don't keep her. They kept her in and the next morning at 9 o'clock, my husband was not with me in this whole time because he had flown back to Dubai for work. I was with my mum and dad. And um, Was he aware of what was happening, I'm assuming? He probably just thought that you were cry, overreacting, and I was just, you know, just being overly cautious, oh, yeah. maybe emotional and yeah. stressed and yeah, all I'm of tired. that. Yeah, and the doctor called me in at nine o'clock the next morning. This was she was in hospital at two a.m. and at nine or half nine in the morning, after waiting for like what seemed like hours, they called me in and they said the doctor said she asks the nurse, "Is this the seizure baby's mother?" <gasps> and I was like. First of all, she has a name, and what is seizure? What? what yeah, what, well, hang on, what just happened? And then she says, uh, so I just want to tell you that uh, this child has had seizures all night, multiple seizures all night, and we don't know if she'll make it through. <gasps> oh, my God. And can you call your husband? And I called my husband in Dubai, and I said, you have to take the next flight because yeah. she's. this is what the doctor says. And he flew in immediately and what followed was a nightmare. She was in NICU for three months. Continuous having seizures. She was having seizures. For three months. Um they were able to control them, but there was a lot of complications after that. 
which um, she was on medication for a year. Yeah. She was on 12 different types of medication. I still have the calendar, you know, every hour we were giving her something. And this is a direct <laughs> result of the fact that she never had the oxygen yeah. during the time of delivery. Yeah. And nobody up until this point had yeah. ever diagnosed that as the case. So meconium is the first poo that they pass out and it's toxic. It's black. All okay. babies do it. And they're supposed to pass it when they come out and not in the womb. And she had passed it in the womb. Okay. And inhaled it. So literally it inhaled toxins, so essentially. Poisoned. poisoned. Yeah. Okay. So there was... But that's extremely rare, I'm assuming. It, it happens. I know somebody who it happened to and the baby didn't make it. Oh, wow, and I've so, never heard of this. And so it was... She was in ICU for three months. Uh, in ICU for three months, it is extremely difficult to be a new mother and have a child in an ICU with all those pipes on them yeah. and... Nobody told me anything about breastfeeding. Nobody. It was just literally like, here's your child. Yeah, and now go. You, you know, feed her. It's supposed to come to you instinctively as a mother to be able to hold a child, to be able to feed a child. But it didn't to me. I yeah. I wanted somebody to teach me. And so obviously, my whole plan of coming back to work. And after that was just this whole series of, we don't know if she will walk normally. We don't know if she will talk. We don't know what the what the seizures have done. I'm just trying to process this, because obviously when you're pregnant, you have all these dreams and aspirations. I guess you paint a picture yeah. of what and it's all what motherhood and what a future, a future would look like. And then all of a sudden, that's completely gone, different. You know, a lot of my friends were pregnant around the same time. Yeah. And I would see pictures of, because in 2014, Instagram was there and Facebook yeah. was there. Yeah. And there was pictures of Healthy newborn babies. photo shoots yeah. and parties of people posting with balloons. And here I was uh, sitting in front of the NICU, uh, being able to hold my child for one hour a day. But wondering whether she'll and make it. Wondering what, and in all of this, my husband decided to apply for an MBA while sitting outside an NICU. Uh, because what? that was his plan all along. Yeah. He was applying for it. He didn't know that he'd have oh, to. Okay. So he was working outside the NICU and I just wait there, waiting for them to call me when I need to feed her or, you know. Oh. And we did that for three months. That must have been terrifying. It was horrendous. Yeah. Well, it's and, still raw, isn't it? I know. Well, I'm not crying, which is huge. Yeah. Um, the, the okay. Actually, sorry, I, I can't remember if you said that. How long ago was this? Nine years. Okay. And the worst part in all of this is that everybody expected me to know, as a mom, everything all along. You know, it's like you have to hold the child like this and you have to... And nobody asked me, when I think about it, yeah. how I felt. Yeah. Everybody was like, how's the child doing? Is she going to be okay? You know, and the doctors kept saying, we don't know if she would make it. We don't know if she'll They walk. would openly say that in front of a mother who's oh. already traumatised oh, yeah. without any bedside manner. Let me tell you what they did this. <laughs> Two years ago, I went back. My daughter's perfectly fine. She's healthy. She is, yeah. She's... Amazing yeah. little girl. And she was sick. We were in India visiting my parents two summers ago. And I took her back, unfortunately, to that hospital. Okay. It's the only hospital there. And one of the doctors who treated her was like, this is the seizure baby. She's oh, normal. Oh, no. And my daughter was like, what does that even mean? And I explained, I mean, she knows that she's had seizures. And she yeah, knows she the had them again when she was four. Um, again, as a direct result of They the were condition. not related we don't know why she had them. She's yeah. not epileptic. God, that but... must have scared the hell out of you when yeah, that happened God. at the age of four, because you're like, like oh, repeating. no. Yeah. 
It was. I have so many anxieties around health and I've worked so much on Do it. Do you still carry anxiety for it? Yes. Like at what point? It'll never go away, will I it? I don't think it will ever go away, but I think that seeing somebody and having tools to deal with them mm. helps. Yeah. Which is why I keep telling everybody you need to see a therapist, not because you're sick or you're mentally ill, but no, because the clarity of thought and yeah. the way you see things after seeing a therapist, you can't do it on your own. I've, I've always said, <laughs> I say, I say it over and over again, therapy is the best gift you can give yourself. So when I flew back to Dubai, five, she was five months four and a half or five months old and we flew back to Dubai everybody said oh you can't leave you know she's not well and I'm, I said I'm just gonna go I need to go I need my doctors I need my house and yeah. I just need to be where I am you need I your am. life I need you, need, my life. you need normal it was the best decision I took yeah. in my life and honestly she she flourished in Dubai yeah. she was like a changed baby she was so happy we would go for all the classes and she's perfectly healthy and the doctor here I've had a pediatrician since she was nine Dr. Sapna Varma and she is incredible she sat down and listened to me cry in her office for two hours literally yeah. which doctor sees you for that long yeah. must have been 90 minutes and then she said I think you need to see somebody and up until that point, nobody had said that I need to see somebody. Nobody had actually asked how you no. were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first and question you didn't she, think that you no. would need to see somebody I either. I didn't know. Because you, yeah, but you were so busy being a mom. Yeah, that's it. Well, because your first instinct will be to protect your child and to do everything for your child, which means that you neglect yourself yeah. by default. Because you don't realise, though. Yeah, of course. And she said, I think you need to see some. The first question she asked actually was, how are you feeling? And I was just like... So how did that feel then, for someone to finally ask you how you're feeling? I just started crying. Yeah. I was in tears. Almost like an outpouring of emotion. It was. And she said, I think you need to see somebody. And much later, she said, the minute I saw you, I knew you had postnatal depression. Okay. And I knew you had so much anxiety. And I'm so glad you saw yeah. somebody. Seeing Dr. Rose Logan, I see Dr. Ro and I say names like this because I feel like when I was when I started looking, it was a challenge. Yeah. I did not find people that I liked or needed. I've been seeing her for ten years, Dr. Rose Logan. Yeah. She's at the Free Spirit Collective, and she is she really turned things around for me in the best possible way. And you couldn't find these people because they didn't exist, or it wasn't accessible, it wasn't talked about. It, How do you know? I did not know a thing like postnatal depression. True. Exists. Okay. Yeah. We've Remember, had, we, I mean, we've we, had these we, conversations. This is why I, I we were, asked yeah, the opinion. It was, uh, we did interview a lovely, lovely lady who pretty much shine a light on the fact that there are so many women around the world that suffered through postnatal depression on their own. Yeah. yeah. And one, A, not knowing that they're going through it, yeah. um, and B, even when they the were stigma. going through it, the stigma, yeah. you know, they they would, wouldn't talk about it. They, you know, wouldn't go there because it's like, how do I tell people that I'm not bonding with my child? Yeah, it's yeah. that perception of failure. And with that perception of failure. Yeah. So there were so many women but that suffered in silence or genuinely just didn't know because it to, wasn't talked about. I used to cry for hours just in the night, like just howling. And my mum, my grand, everybody said, this is normal. You've just had a baby. That was the other thing. That was and the they other normalize thing. normalise it. Yeah, they yeah. normalise that, that was another thing because that was said. Because they don't know. Because they also they didn't don't know. know. And now I know that it's very common, but yeah. it's not normal. That's a very true point. It's common, but not normal. Mm. Yeah. And and after that, when I, well, we moved countries, I followed my husband everywhere. We moved to England for a okay. couple of years. My in-laws passed away, so we had to move back to Dubai. And the contrast between having my first and my second, because I knew better from my first, yeah. I had a village, 
around me. I had ev- lactation consultants, a doula, a midwife, plants, a pediatrician, a neonatologist at birth. Yeah. I had everyone around. I had a planned C-section. Yeah. And I had the best gynecologist yeah. who stood with me like rock solid. I guess because you learnt so much through the traumatic experience of the first child, you would never want to repeat that ever again. And you also I, learned so you, to ask for help. Yes. Yes, I was just going to say that. I knew that I needed these people. I was able to breastfeed him for two years yeah. out of choice. Would not be able to if I did not have a lactation consultant because yeah. it's not easy. It's horrendous. My, my sister suffered from it. She couldn't... Mm-hmm. She, it was really difficult. I wouldn't be able to had I not gone to Dr. Delphine and been, like, crying in her office, but she made it easy. She gave me tips to stick it out. And at every point, the reason that I was able to go through this and I had appointments booked in with my therapist months before because I was like, I'm going to get postnatal depression and I know this and I need it. And that was the best decision. It was hard. Even the second time around, having a baby is so hard. Yeah. And it's you don't love it every day. You love the baby every day, but you don't love being a mum every yeah. day. And, and that's interesting because also you know the conversation we've had with other people leads into you know the fear of guilt. Like people get guilty of why do they feel that way? You know, because the society has so many expectations yeah. from a mother, not from a father, but from True. a mother. If my husband is a very involved father, and all the mums at school say he's such a good dad. Yeah. But he doesn't do half what I do, and nobody says I'm such a good mom. Nobody does. It's an expectation. Yeah. You have to it's feed the baby what you have to feed kids healthy. You yeah. have to make sure they don't want screen time. You have to love them every day. You have to love being a mom every day. Yeah. There are expectations. And also, as well, the physical aspects of what you have to give them, especially in the first few months of, yeah. of birth. Yeah. But you this, know, you're this, sharing part of your body yeah. with them still. But this has all led you to where you are today. Well, I. Just, I was being a mom for the three months, just kept going on between moving countries and moving back to Dubai, two children. My in-laws were sick. They had, my mother-in-law had strokes all in Dubai. It was intense. And then the pandemic happened. Jesus, you, could, um, could have, you couldn't catch a break, could you? Yeah, I didn't real. realize that. Wow. You're just living life, you Yeah, know? but it's one hit after the other. Yeah. And then in March 2021, I did an online workshop on going back to work after a maternity break. I mean... I had a long one, seven years. And in that workshop, we did a program, we did an exercise called Mapping Your Life, in which we had to write five, draw five circles of our life. And um, she gave us some examples. She said, work, hobbies. I very confidently went away and I just, I wrote my five circles and I waited and I was one of the last ones. I was not confident and I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to go first. I was one of the last ones to go. And I realized that I was the only one in 12 mums who were on that workshop who didn't write anything about myself. My circles were husband, children, parents, friends, and community. Yeah. The community where I live because it was a big part of where, you know, of my life. And when I heard everybody's answers and they had art and Pilates and work, and most of them had written me, as in me, Rucha. I actually started crying when I gave my answers on that call with 12 strangers because I realized how far down my own list I had gone. I was almost embarrassed. Because you were putting yourself second to everybody else and to everything else. Well, no, didn't even she, think about she it. She completely forgot about herself. I she didn't, didn't think exist. of it. Yeah. And that day, I just sat and I cried and my husband said, you know, it's just an exercise. I said, actually, it's not about an exercise. I 
when you ask me for my birthday where I want to go for a meal, I see where the kids want to go. Yeah. And because you know Anika was so sick when she was born, I never left her. I was so possessive. I didn't realize she would go everywhere. We didn't have date nights. Got you. We didn't do anything. So when they said where you want to go for your birthday, it would be where the kids want to go. What yeah. music do you want to listen to? Whatever in the, the car? kids want. Whatever the kids or my husband wants. Yeah. You know what clothes do you want to wear? Just anything. I don't care. You know, it had reached a point where I said to him, "I don't, I don't have anything that's me anymore. That's you, unique to me." You've lost the identity. Well, you, you didn't matter anymore. I to me, no, I didn't matter to me anymore. Clearly, and I don't know how I reached this point from being this fierce, young, independent woman who lived alone since she was seventeen, yeah. did everything for herself. That well, talent manager in the beginning, yeah. who would have been a fierce hustler. Because you have to be in that industry. Absolutely. It's a completely, completely different person. What emotion yep. What emotion did you feel when you had this realisation? Oh, I just cried. I was, but was so let sorrow? down. was it sorrow? Was it despair? Was it sadness? Was it anger? Regret. I think, Regret? I think it was just, I was just sad. And yeah. really upset with myself that I let yeah. this happen. And the first thing that I did is book in with my therapist again. And I booked in sessions for personal training. And I went on this whole journey of healing myself and getting myself back on my list. Yeah. Um, it took me two years of constantly stepping out of my comfort zone, networking events. Well, look uh, at you here. You know? Yeah. My first, very podcast. first podcast. I know, my yeah. first podcast. Completely, constantly stepping out of my comfort zone. I went for networking events. My confidence was on the floor. I was yeah, like... I actually parked in front of one of it and I called my husband and I said, I'm not going in. And he said, you have to go in. I don't care. I'm on the call with you. If, you're, if you don't know what to say, stay on the call with me, but you're going in. And I went in and I was like, what am I going to say? What do I do? And that's what happened. They were like, so introduce yourself. I was like, shh. I'm not going to say stay at home mom. What am I going to say? Like a stay at home mom. And I did. I felt like an absolute parasite, just not doing anything, feeding off my husband. But my therapist said something very interesting to me after that. She said, you have skills that others don't. You've been a mum to two kids. Yeah. And I never looked at it like that, you know. And also that traumatic experience in the beginning. You've learned a lot from that experience. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that we've been through as... Yeah a mum, as a mother. And I slowly started realising, I started going for these events and I was like, actually, I'm a mum and I want to do something with my mm. life, but I don't know what. And mm. I started saying that. And it just, you know, slowly started feeling better and easier to go well, you start, out. You're starting to get seen. Yeah, as myself again. Mm. Yeah. And so when I reached, I went for one of the reasons that Mum Identity Project happened is because, like we spoke about, What's your story? Yeah. Um, there's a lady called um, Lama, and she, Lama Andari, she runs uh, Aptaluna. Her three-year-old was diagnosed with cancer, and she honestly owns her life. She raises awareness on pediatric ca cancer. She'd okay. actually make an amazing guest for you. I went for a talk, and she said, you know, all of us have a life story, and it's up to us what we make out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. And I walked out of it and I went to my husband and I said, what a load of, I don't have a life story. And he was like, all of us has a life story, have a life story. And it's just a question of you figuring out what yours is. Honestly, I thought about it for two weeks. I was like, I don't, ha I spoke about it to everybody mm -hmm. I met. I was like, I don't have a life story. I don't have a life story. 
and somebody said you should start writing um, you know journaling and it'll come to you and I started journaling and I was like actually I have a life story you have a life story I am I was somebody and I became a mum and completely lost my identity yeah and I am going to help mums find their identities rediscover themselves and that's again. what you're doing now <clears throat> yes so the mum identity project is an online is a community that uh, supports mums and empowers them to rediscover their identities find things that jo- spark the joy in them yeah. and how are you doing that so i initially st- i'm going to be very honest started off as an instagram page mm. i was like i'm just going to say my story and yeah. i know all these other mums and i'm going to talk about their successes failures just honestly you know the most successful mum talking about imposter syndrome and how mm-hmm. i would think she's the most confident amazing person and she was like actually i have imposter syndrome like, so because you don't she, see what goes on behind the no. the facade so it started off as an instagram page and i was so embarrassed that i was becoming a content creator that i didn't even share this page with most of my friends but it so happened that i woke up the next i posted the video on a weekend and i woke up the next morning and i had about 1300 views and 20 comments in oh, wow. in my inbox and these were women i had no idea who they were they were all strangers saying we feel exactly like this thank you for saying it how did that it. make you feel that moment when you open when you open <laughs> i'm going to be honest why? i was like what is going scared on scared why because now i felt responsible yeah. for something you know it came with a huge now there's no going wow. back in the box and these women slowly wanted to know what they can do yeah and so i was like well now what am i going to do you know what am i how am i going to help them and this amazing amazing woman came into my life sophie thomas she runs the growth pod she is a career coach a strat- she was a strategy consultant yeah. and she gave it up to help women from idea to conceptualization and she said i'll work with you and i was like i can't afford you she was like you don't need to pay me yeah i work for you i work with you and she's now helping me build a platform where we take women from the point that they've lost themselves mm-hmm. and sort of help them through the journey of rediscovering themselves so we're not a commercial entity we are connectors and enablers i will just connect the mums to whoever they need at whatever phase they are at i have a question so obviously everyone's journey is different yeah. everyone goes through a different experience but many women face this issue yes. or face a similar issue it's not uncommon no it's not mm-hmm. it's not uncommon and nobody talks about it so, again yeah. We, we've had this in many conversations. Theme, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like people it's don't want theme. to talk about something. But it's just how now we are talking. Especially for women and women's issues. Correct. I think they might be embarrassed also. Well, we were we, the the word shame came coming up. Yeah. Mm. The word shame. And I think as stay-at-home moms, your confidence is already so low. You don't want to sound stupid. I didn't, for yeah. sure. So I never actually said it. But. it was it took a lot and finally i reached a place where i was like you know what if i'm feeling like this i'm sure there are so many others yeah, who are feeling <laughs> i can't and yeah. and that's exactly what happened and so when i said you know i'm thinking of doing these networking events somebody said oh my god there's so many networking events here already and mum networking events you're just going to get lost and mm. i said actually you see coffee mornings where you take 
your baby or your children and mums are talking about all mum things school pickups and my child did this and this class and that or you go for these amazing networking events where you're talking about your amazing idea or your business or what work you do and introducing yourself professionally yeah. Yeah. Mm. but there's nothing in the middle for mums who can actually show up there and say you know what i'm a mum i don't want to talk anything motherhood related right now and i don't know what i want to do in my life i'm i'm figuring it out there's no place and like that and that's okay yeah. and that's okay and also it's not about making money or going back to work it can mm. be anything that sparks joy in you yeah. or it's, and have that sense of purpose again yeah. you know a purpose other than just you know you feel being a mother again yeah. you know and that's a place where you can come in and actually not introduce yourself but yeah. just talk to people and feel fulfilled yeah and that's the community that i am and are you feeling build. fulfilled now absolutely and whenever i have doubts the universe has a strange way of telling me that i am doing the right thing mm. it's very true about the universe mm. it has a habit of doing that very much so thank you so much for sharing that story with us oh, yeah thank you and i'm um, glad to know that your daughter made it through and she's good and a successful successful life she is she's yeah. she's well you can tell by the, the smile on your face right now you're very proud and very happy yeah, I am. yeah. I am. what's next with the project that you're working on hopefully this month we are working on our first ever in person event okay it's cuz i've gotten asked so many times when i'm going to do a first in person meet and i am launching this platform in the next 3 months yeah and i'm saying excited? it out here cuz i'm holding myself accountable you excited do it make it happen yes i'm very excited mm. i have the best support system in place so i want to tell women out there that you don't have to do it all alone mm. you actually don't have to do it alone at all and there are so many amazing people out there mm. who are waiting to support you and at every stage in your life ask for the support and it will mm. be there well, i know, think that is a very beautiful is. way it's to wrap it up it's a great place to finish it thank you so much and we will share details on our socials about your events so yeah make sure you send them over to us i will good luck with everything good luck. Hopefully, we'll, hopefully we'll speak to you again soon thank you for having me anytime i did my first podcast yeah congrats <laughs> i hope i hope we were we were good podcast hosts we made you feel comfortable you did you were amazing oh you've been a great guest thank you so much for joining us good thank luck you. with the launch thank you bye thank you for listening to rooted within if you like this episode, please make sure you drop a follow so you never miss an episode in the future. Rooted Within with Lily and Dan. <laughs>